Thank you for joining the Pinewood Church Podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you fresh perspective on how God is moving in your life. For more information, visit us at pinewoodboulder.com. Enjoy the message. There's something special about an entrance. Some of you even like to make grand entrances. If you know what I'm saying, you walk into a room, maybe you've been gone for a while. I actually had this experience recently with Ross. Shout out. He was gone for like three days, felt like three months, and I saw him again, and I'm like, Ross, where have you been, man? Don't do this to us. You can't, you know you can't leave. And it was a grand, everybody, I heard everybody else that saw him was just like, oh my gosh, Ross, where have you been? He was like, guys, I've been gone three days. Come on now. But, I mean, it feels good to get a grand entrance, does it not? Or maybe, maybe you've recently transferred and you got a new job. And you walk in on your new job, you put your best shoes on, your best outfit on, you only get one first impression, and you walk in and it's your grand entrance. Like my first day, feeling good, feeling fine, fresh shave, fresh hair. And it's a grand entrance. And people celebrate, you got you a card, hey, welcome to the office. Feels good to have a grand entrance. Speaking of grand entrance, my wife just had a baby. I was going to say we had a baby, but my wife had the baby. I was there, and she had the baby. Am I preaching anybody today? I caught the baby, though. That's pretty cool, right? It's like, a, like, like catching a football, you know, it just shoots right at it. TMI, TMI, but it did, it did. TMI. Oh, let's not put that on the podcast. But um, I had this grand interest of a new baby. So I, Friday night, I almost said I think. I know. I know it was Friday night uh, at midnight, 12.05. Uh, Zion Henry Manuel made a grand entrance into the world as a beautiful little baby boy. Woo! Praise the Lord. What a miracle of birth. We were actually just talking about there is nothing that strikes more awe and wonder in your spirit is when you see a baby come out and breathe life for the first time. Man, there's nothing like it. I was talking even to our midwives. This, this is nothing to do with the message. Now I'm just going to talk about babies for the next 30 minutes. Well, I was talking to midwives, and they're like, yeah, we actually don't really know what causes a woman to go into labor. Nobody really does. It's still a mystery. And I'm like, oh, I know. I know. It's God, man. God's in there working all those details out, all fine-tuning that baby, implementing it. Baby comes out, breath in his lungs. Wow, what a miracle. God's good, isn't he? Sorry, it's fresh on my mind, team. This is, what, wow, what a grand entrance. We're going to be looking today at another grand entrance, also known as the triumphal entry. And it's found, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, in Matthew 21. If you don't have a physical Bible, I highly encourage you to download an app called YouVersion on your phone, and then you can have the Bible in every translation with you everywhere you go. It's a pretty fantastic little free app. Go ahead and download that and follow along in Matthew 21, and we're going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 11. Let's read this together. It says this, When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her foal. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them. 
and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and its foal, and they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. And a very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from trees and spreading them in the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. How about we read this together? Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let's read that again, but like you're shouting it, all right? This is making some of you very uncomfortable right now. All right, you don't have to. No pressure. But let's get after it. Are you ready? Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar saying, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's pray before we dive into the message. God, we thank you so much. We know that this is not a story. This is not a parable. This is history. This happened. And so, Father, we want to look at every little detail. And, Father, we just ask that your spirit would move among us today, that your spirit would be the teacher, that you would speak uh, through me. Father, we know that where your spirit is, life change happens. And so we're expectant, Father, that you're here. We're expectant that you're going to move and speak to us today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So to give you a little bit of background before we dive too deep into this text in particular, I want to let you know kind of the scene that was set. What's going on around this time? What's happening? How do we, did we get to this moment in scriptures? So this was in the beginning of what's known as the Passover festival. Jews from all over Rome came to this event in Jerusalem, a lot of them. This was a big deal. They were coming, it was a week-long celebration, coming to remember the exile from Egypt. So this is a really big celebration, and people came from all over. And this is very strategic for when Jesus was coming, and we're going to look at many reasons why. But this is known today, not, we don't speak of it as the Passover festival, we speak of it all as the triumphal entry and Palm Sunday. Maybe you've heard of that. This is the Sunday prior to Easter, and then we build through Holy Week, and then we end on Easter Sunday. You follow? That's what what we're going to be talking about today. So we're a little early on the triumphal entry. Say that ten times fast, okay? It's, It's a tricky word. Triumphal entry. Palm Sunday. We're a little early on that. But that's okay. we got a lot of ground to cover over the next five weeks. The title of the message today is The Crown Misunderstood. The Crown Misunderstood. It could also be the King Misunderstood. And we're going to switch gears right here. This is a very important passage, and I don't want us to miss any of the details of it. So this story is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. But we're not going to read all four accounts of it. Many of the accounts found uh, in Mark and also in John are already mentioned in Matthew, and we covered that. So now, or this, this may be odd for some of you, we're going to switch and we're going to Luke. 
So if you have your Bibles, go ahead right now, and we're going to switch to Luke 19, and we're going to be looking at verses 28 through 44. Same story, a few extra little details. You see, this is Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke never misses a note. The physician, Dr. Luke, is very detailed in the accounts of all of the stories in the Bible. And we're going to be unpacking all of those little details. This is what Dr. Luke writes in Luke 19, 28. He said, when he had said these things, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives. So to give you a little visual about what we're talking about, what we're looking at right here. Bethpage and Bethany are little villages outside of Jerusalem. Do we have a, yeah, here we go, the map. See, we have Bethany, Bethpage, villages outside the Mount of Olives, all looking towards the Holy City. You can see they're very close together. So, I mean, as you go to the Mount of Olives, you can actually overlook and see the Holy City. It's a beautiful view. And so just to give you a little bit of imagery here, he's, as he's riding in on this triumphal entry, he's only but a couple miles away from Jerusalem. A little bit also about Jerusalem, since we're talking about it, is, is that it's known throughout scriptures as Mount Zion. Isn't that a cool name? Somebody should name their kid. <laughs> Hashtag my baby. Somebody should name their kids. I was just throwing it out there. But it actually means the city of peace. City of peace. Peace. I'm really praying that peace over my little baby Zion because it is anything but peace right now in our house. But it's coming. I'm believing. But Jerusalem means city of peace. And that has great significance as we think about Jesus coming to Jerusalem. And we're going to be looking at that a little bit later. But moving on, he said, he sent two of the disciples and said, go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. This is, this is beautiful. The first thing that I want us to see in this text together, if you're taking notes, the first section of scripture is that what we see here is a prophecy fulfilled. This is incredibly significant. Prophecies are from, uh, you see a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament, prophesying of things in the New Testament. And Jesus fulfilled over 300 of these prophecies and all of these little details leading up to his resurrection. This is one of those. And the prophet is actually found in Zechariah 9, 9. Let's look and see what it says. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble, and riding on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus didn't miss a single prophecy. And as we see, even in the account of Luke, and, and we saw it in the account of Matthew when we look back, what was there? There was the donkey and the colt, the foal of the donkey. He, he, he had both, and we see that in both of the accounts. Now, when we think about a donkey, we think, could he have found any worse of an animal than a donkey. Some of you, I'm offended, right? Donkey's your favorite animal. I love a donkey, okay? I'm pro-donkey. But, I mean, this is Jesus. I, I love donkeys. I had goats. Does that make me pro-donkey? No, I don't know. But, I mean, just saying, I, like, I would have been like, let's get Jesus a horse, you know? Like a stallion, you know? Let's get Jesus riding in. I know. But, no, he chose a donkey. Many of us wouldn't associate a donkey with royalty, but actually, in Scripture's, you see donkeys associated with royalty when 
marching in. So there you have it. And so here we have Jesus riding in on a donkey fulfilling prophecy. And this did two things. This one affirmed his messianic royalty. He's fulfilling messianic prophecy. And two, his earthly humanity. Jesus was both fully man and fully God. And we see that in both of these things. And then notice how it says that he was a young donkey on which no one had ever sat. Did anybody catch that in the cruise this week whenever we were reading that? And you kind of were like, why? What, what, was that even, what does that even mean? Well, this may sound strange to some of you, but I trained horses for a season of my life. I was a horse trainer. I was a cowboy. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? My mom thought it would be a great idea, <laughs> and I was like, I'm totally down. I love horses. That sounds great. And so I started to learn how to train horses. Let me tell you, getting on a horse that is unbroke is messy. Any horse people in the house can attest to this? Getting on an unbroke horse is tragedy. I actually Googled, just for the fun of it, and went on YouTube and said, unbroke donkey. And I, there are some hilarious videos of people that are just like jumping on donkeys and they're throwing them all over the place. This is, this is just a little insight. Don't think too deep into this. But I just, I love that Jesus put that in scriptures. He is a donkey that no one's ever sat on because they bring the donkey to him and Jesus sits on him and casually rides into the city. And I think this is a beautiful example, one of many that we're going to see in the text of Jesus showing sits on an umbrella and his dominion over all creation and all creatures. Sits on an unbroke donkey and he rides into town. Let's move on. 30, 31, if you're, if you're following along in, uh, in, chapter, in, Luke, in the book of Luke, it says, if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent left and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the donkey, its owners said to them, why are you untying my donkey? Sounds pretty legit, right? <laughs> if you saw somebody come get in your car, why are you taking my car? The Lord needs it. Uh, you got it. Let me go grab my gun. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just like, what? The Lord needs it? Okay, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So the Lord needs it, they said. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their clothes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get on it. One thing to note I love about this text, is about the disciples specifically, was that he said, hey, I, I, need, a, I need a donkey. Uh, would you go into the city and grab the donkeys that are prepared for you? And they're like, yeah, on it. I'm thinking, man, I love their obedience here. They're not like, donkeys? What? Why? There was just no, it was, I need donkeys. I'm on it. I love their obedience. At a glance, when you read this text, you may be thinking, and honestly, when, when we were looking at this passage in our, our cruise this week as well, we were talking about uh, this idea of like, they went in and they took donkeys. And I was like, man, at first glance, you could say, were they stealing donkeys here? This is like a pretty gangster move. So you're going to go into the city. Lay low, though. There's people watching. Untie some donkeys. And at first glance, you can say, what is happening here, right? Am I the only one that thought that went no, you th oh, what's happening here? And I want to give some, some thoughts and insights into what could be happening in this situation where they go in and they take these donkeys for Jesus and, and also talk a little bit about the significance of that. But there are some scenarios here that is probable that could have happened. It could have been that these donkeys were prearranged, that Jesus had been through these villages before. It could have been that they were prearranged and they knew, hey, when somebody comes, here's the password. You know, the Lord needs it. Okay, here's the donkeys. Uh, another thing about 
the customs at the time was that it was customary for people at that time, uh, to, especially political leaders and rabbis, to ride in on donkeys. So for somebody to say, I need to borrow your donkey, it could have been, no biggie, bring it back. Let him ride in, bring my donkey back. But I love just the providential of all of the providential sovereignty in God and all of these things because I believe that God ordained that donkey to be there. I believe that God ordained that person to be there. I believe that there's no detail about this story that does not have significance. I believe it's all important, and I think we need to look into every little detail and say, God, what are you trying to tell us today? Maybe you're trying to tell us just to, to walk out here in something that when you ask, call us and ask us to do something that maybe we don't quite understand, but you've already prepared something in advance for us. Maybe you've worked ahead of us that maybe it's something we can't see. And so we're going to get somewhere and we're going to say, like, hey, like God told me to say this. Does this make sense to you? And they're like, actually, yes. He told me the same thing. What's God calling you to do that may, you may not understand it at this time? Now, this is where I, wanted, I really want to lean in and I want to focus in for just a second with me. So, so lean in right here. There's the visual that's happening here that is confusing for the people. This is whenever I said a crown misunderstood, this is, this is where we're going to zero in for just a second to help you understand something. When the people were there looking for the Messiah, the King that was going to be coming to rescue them, I don't think they were thinking it was going to be a man with humble clothes, chilling on a donkey with some misfits around him. I had, these were people, the Jews, they were looking ahead for a Messiah that was coming to literally rescue them, like a conquering military savior that would come and rescue them from the Romans. I would imagine they were looking for somebody like this guy. The other guy. There, that guy. <laughs> I would imagine they would be looking for somebody that's coming in on a wild steed, you know, with armor, a sword, a crazy-looking army coming in to revolt and to ultimately give the Jews the liberation that they so sought after. But I, this is the, the misunderstanding here of the crown. They, they wanted that. And instead, they got this. Jesus coming in humbly on a donkey. I just think this is so critical for us to see here. They wanted a conquering militant military king that was going to come in and fight for them. Something that would take care of their temporary circumstance. But with Jesus, he always will exceed our expectations. Maybe not always in the way that we feel initially, but what is Jesus coming for? Jesus is not coming for a military conquer, but a spiritual conquer. He wasn't coming for Jerusalem. He was coming for the world. He wasn't coming for temporary external peace. He was coming for forever, lifelong peace beyond all of our understanding and all of our comprehension that will guard our hearts and minds. And what? In Christ Jesus. I think this is so important for us to understand this misunderstood king and crown, especially as we think about our own life. What's your perspective of Jesus? 
When you think about Jesus and the moment where he rode in and everyone's shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the name of he who comes in the name of the Lord, son of David. I think it's critical that we have a right perspective of who Jesus is. I think that is critical for, as we think about staying faithful and grounded in who Jesus is. We see that even from these people. The, the, I, see, I see in this text many different ways, both in their words and their actions, in the way that they misunderstood who he was. And I, I want to look at a couple of those. The first is with their words. What were they shouting? Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? Save us. So they're saying, save us. Hail the king. Save us. Save us. Save us. Saying, no, actually come and save us. And then what, what else do they say? Son of David, referencing an actual king, a conquering king, a warring king. But he wasn't coming like David. He had a better plan. He had a bigger purpose. And then what about with their actions? What do they do? They put him on a donkey that a royal king would walk in and have an, a grand entrance to. And then what do they do? Then they put their clothes on the donkey and the robes on the donkey, and then they put their robes in his path. Also something that you see in Scripture done for kings and royalty. And then they put the palm branches, which symbolizes a great triumph, a great victory as he marches into the city. I mean, as I even re read this text, uh, this week and was just kind of taking it all in. I was just thinking, God, this had to be so heartbreaking for you. How much more clear could you have given them what you were doing? It's in Old Testament prophecy all throughout. Too many for us to read in our time together today of why you were coming, what would happen. And their eyes were blind to it. They missed it. How many times did you sit down with the disciples and say, I'm, I'm coming, I'm going to die. On the third day, I'm going to be raised to death. I'm going to be raised from the dead. And the disciples were like, who? What? What? How heartbroken was this for Jesus? Next, we see a, a mission established. Uh, moving on, it says, as, as he was going along, they were spending, spreading their clothes on the road, robes and palm branches, were, which were customary. Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. All the miracles they had seen, they just saw Lazarus raised from the dead. I'm telling you, they were believing in whoever Jesus was because he just rose a dead guy. Said, And this is what they were saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And then, the, and then in the Matthew account it says, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. See, they were recognizing him as king, but they had no idea where this kingship would lead him. And that's where they demonstrated their misunderstanding of who he was. It says this, 39, Some of the Pharisees... From the crowd told him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. Again, what is Jesus saying here? Your, your opinions here matter very little. Do you know who I am? Do you know that I'm the creator? Do you know that I could make the mountains cry out if I wanted to? 
I'm riding an unbroke donkey. Do you know who I am? I'm Jesus. If they weren't crying out, Hosanna, the mountains would cry out, Hosanna. I love that image that God does right there. He says, because he's establishing his authority and his supremacy over everything again, he's saying, no, I am worthy to be praised. This is my time. Your opinions don't matter. People's actions don't matter. This is my time to write in the significance that we'll talk more about on the timing. This was the festival, the Passover festival. This was the moment. This was the time. A great crowd of witnesses were there, and Jesus was coming to be the lamb to the slaughter. I love this just visual as, they, as they're shouting this, thinking Jesus is coming as the Lord, and in all actuality, he's coming like a lamb to the slaughter. The significance of this passage is, is huge. Jesus is worthy of praise. And another thing, another reason why Jesus came in receiving all of this honor, all of this praise, and all this glory was obviously he's worthy. Obviously, it was his time to establish his, his kingship. But then also, this was the match that lit the fire. This was the beginning of the plot. You ha- you're surrounded by who? Jews. You're surrounded by Pharisees. Uh, you're surrounded by the, the Galilean pilgrims who were following him and the disciples. You had a, a great mix of a multitude watching. And here he comes in declaring, I love this, as, as the, uh, Psalms 118 is what they're shouting, but declaring that he is the Messiah, it's Messiah and the true king of all Israel. You can imagine what the Pharisees were thinking as they were watching this. During that time, the Pharisees had the power. I mean, they had the they had the control. And here comes this person riding on a donkey, threatening what they have. Maybe this Jesus could cause a revolt, and it could be really bad for all of us. And so Jesus, in that moment, starts this plot that ultimately would lead to his trial and his crucifixion. So we see that the prophecy was fulfilled. We see that he establishes his mission here by writing in. And then final thing is this. We see that there was, in in chapter Luke, verse 41, and this is the only one of the Gospels that that shares this in in this great detail, but we see a destruction revealed. And and as you're reading this, you you may have been thinking, what is he talking about here? And I want us to see the importance of this text. It says this, As he approached and saw the city, he wept for it, saying, If you knew this day, what would bring peace? But now it is hidden from you, from your eyes. For the days will come on you when your enemies will build a barricade around you, surround you, and hem you in on every side. They will crush you and your children among you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone on another in your midst, because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. When we think of the triumphal entry, we think of almost that second picture that we saw right there, right, where Jesus is, is riding in, and he's just, thank you, thank you, thank you, receiving the glory with a smile on his face. But I think it's, I think it's so fascinating. That was just, I was just brought to tears this week as I was, as I was studying this passage. Jesus actually came in on his tri- triumphal entry weeping, Not what you would have 
expected, right? I love that Jesus is always doing things that you would not expect. How he came in the form of a baby and a virgin. And now how he's having this triumphal entry and people shouting his praise, Hosanna, and he's weeping. Why? Why is he weeping? Well, because no matter where he looked, there was cause for weeping. If he looked back, then he saw all of the opportunities that were missed by the nations of his coming. I love that it even... It says in Scripture, it said this, you did not recognize the time when I visited you. So when he looked back, he weeps for all of the missed opportunities that they missed to see that the Messiah is right here. This is what he came for. And then if he looked within, he saw the people's spiritual ignorance and their spiritual blindness. I was just studying all week on these moments where he clearly told them what he was coming to do. And yet you see in in John, in the account in John, how they say, we didn't even really remember all of those things until after Jesus had been resurrected. So as they're coming in on this triumphal entry, they're ignorant, they're blind to what's actually happening. And so he looks, he looks behind, he weeps. He looks within the hearts of those and he weeps he looks around at the people around him at the temple and he sees a temple later you see in the text that he actually goes to the temple and he's freaking out turning tables because what the temple had become what did he say a den of thieves it was not a place for worship it was not a place for prayer it's a place for making money so he looks around, he sees all this religious activity with no real worship, no real effect. He looks around, sees all these religious leaders that are now plotting to kill him. Speaking blasphemy. So there's cause to weep when he looks back, when he looks within, and when he looks around. And there's cause to weep when he looks ahead. See, the rest of the story is we know that in roughly 40 years after this, Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed. It was a great war, great battle that went down where over 600,000 Jews lost their lives. And I, and I, I just feel his, his heart break as, as I was imagining him riding into the city, looking back, looking around, people shouting, knowing God knows everything, knowing full well that in just a few days, many of these same people that are shouting, Hosanna, blessed be the God, heaven, highest praise, are going to be the same ones that shout with just as much enthusiasm, crucify him, crucify him, and his heart breaks. He looks ahead at the people that he loves, and he says, do you not see, do you not see who I am? I'm right here. And I, for us, I just want us to soak in the story for a second and I want to see him for what's really happening here. You have Jesus, the king, not just of Jerusalem, the king of all kings riding into Jerusalem to pay a penalty, to pay a price that should have been ours. We should have been on that donkey. We should have made that journey. We should have been on trial. We should have gone to the cross. We should have died, but he initiates the plan of salvation for you and for I in this triumphal, this great, the greatest of all entries, Jesus into Jerusalem. Like a lamb to the slaughter. 
knowing full well. Did he weep for himself? No. No, he weeped for you. Weep for me, because he loves us that much. I don't want to ask you today, are you, are you going to miss the invitation because you have the wrong perspective of who he is? Are you going to recognize him as the Lord, the true king, Jesus, the rightful king, that doesn't sit on a throne made by man, but sits on a throne in heaven at the right hand of the Father, resurrected. We're going to go ahead, and you can go ahead and stand with us. We're going to close in a final song. But I want you to see the invitation that Jesus makes for you and for me. I want you to see the love that he has for us in this story. And there was so much that we're going to unpack over the next few weeks. Every detail is beautiful. Every detail matters. Every detail of the story says, I love you that much. I love you so much. And I want you to hear that from Jesus today. I want you to hear that from his word today. He loves you. He made that triumphal entry into the cross, all of that knowing full well your life, your journey, knowing full well what you've done, what you're, what you're going to do. And he loves you and he offers his hands to you today saying, believe in me, have faith in me. Come to me just the way that you are. I love you. And I want to ask you today, as we sing this final song, this is a song of response. So it's an invitation to come forward, fall on your knees and pray before God. Say whatever you want to say. Say, God, I believe that you are who you say you are. So I'll fall on my face before you. I surrender to you. And put your faith and trust in Jesus. I believe that there's many here today that needs to do that. They need to stand out. They need to have the courage to step out in their faith and say, I'm going to put my faith and trust in you, Jesus. You've been calling me for a long time, and tonight's the night. I'm saying yes. There may be many of you here today that have been saying, I've had the wrong perspective of who Jesus is. Therefore, when the pressure, the political pressure is on, or when the pressure, peer pressure around me is on, I, I waver in my belief in God. Today I'm going to say, I believe that Jesus is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I believe that He is who He says that He is, and that His Word is true. And many wanting to fall on their knees during our time tonight and worship. and say, God, I believe who You are. You are who You say You are. So would you join me in in singing this final song? Would you join me in prayer? Our community at Pinewood Church aims to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in Boulder and around the world. Thank you for your support. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find out more at pinewoodboulder.com or on any social media platform with the handle at pinewoodboulder.com.